the best information, the best advice I ever got was like, go where you're wanted, right? Like, it's hard. If you're an otherworldly talent, normally you can kind of choose. And even if, you know, you have a ton of Power Five offers, like, whatever's going to help you in your future, I think that that would be the best. So even if Alabama has some dudes, but you're confident enough in yourself that you can beat out those dudes because you're a dude yourself, um, that's worth looking into and taking. But for me, especially, like, I'm not a huge guy. I started 44 straight games, right? I started every game of my college career because I went where I was wanted. Like, Lincoln had no other specialist on their roster. So it's really about finding the best fit. Tennessee Martin, too, we had we had a good amount of specialists, but, like, I was confident where I was going, and the special teams coordinator really wanted me. He expressed that by giving me a full ride. Look at their roster, right? Like, are you going to be their guy? A great question to ask the coach is, like, realistically – where do you see me in your program in a year? Where do you see me progressing to? What's my potential in your program? And if they say, I don't know, man, like we got these six other guys, might not be the best look, right? Do I really look like a guy with a family? Hello, and welcome back, or welcome to another episode of Up Close In Personnel with Alex Brown. I'm your host, Alex Brown. It's March 19th, 2021, and we're in the middle of spring ball. Got scrimmage two coming up later today. And uh, if you haven't already, please be sure to hit that subscribe button, rate, and share the show with someone you know. It's been a ton of fun bringing these podcasts to you, and this week is no different. We've talked about pretty much everything related to recruiting over the last year, but in the words of Rich Eisen, punters are people too. So, to talk about the world of specialists and recruiting kickers, we bring to you my fellow coworker at Rice University, Brett Arkellian. Brett, a fellow podcaster and author of his own book, The Kicker's Bible, is someone that I highly recommend anybody check out if you're a parent of a recruit, if you're a kicker, long snapper, punter, anybody that's involved in the world of special teams or a recruiting person that's trying to improve as an evaluator. I highly recommend that you check out his podcast, Iceman Kicking Podcast, and again, his book, The Kicker's Bible, because he is an absolute rock star when it comes to providing resources and education on just the process and how difficult it can be for, for recruits, parents, and recruiters alike. So a well-traveled kicker himself, Brett took the junior college route to an HBCU college and ended his career as a grad transfer kicker and punter at UT Martin in Tennessee. He started last 44 consecutive games as a player, uh, has coached at the high school and collegiate level, and learned from some incredible kicking minds and kicking coaches. In this episode, we cover Brett's background, who he's learned from over the years, and we really just kind of take a deep dive into the recruiting process for kickers. It's a 101 on what college recruiters are looking for, what type of film helps recruits the most when it comes to kicking, how to evaluate that film as a recruiter, and just how important the mental side is for the position. How do you handle failure? How do you handle adversity? How do you respond when you have a missed field goal at the end of a game? All these things and so much more are covered in the episode, and Brett's just an awesome guy to talk to. So all in all, it was a fun episode to record, and I'm excited to now turn it over to my conversation with Brett Arkellian. Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um.
Iceman Kicking, Brett Arkelian. Welcome to the show. Hey, B, what's good, baby? Thank you for having me, man. I'm a you know, long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I've seen the fantastic guests that you've had uh, on this. Uh, I, I specifically really like Colby Carthel, head coach there. Um, so I'm just excited to be here, man, and be on your podcast. Yeah, from one podcaster to the other. Um, I think we started our podcast at like the same exact time over quarantine. So like, we'll get into kind of your background and, and the steps you've had because your journey is really cool. Um, I feel like you've experienced recruiting for a specialist at every single type of school, you know, from high school to junior college to the grad transfer world, like you've kind of seen it all. And then now you're on the coaching side of it. But what got you to start the podcast? That's a great question. Okay, so I've been writing I've been writing a book for 10 years and it ended up coming out this last summer. It's called The Kicker's Bible. You can find it on icemancake.com. Shameless plug. But uh, I, I sponsor, know, I really sponsor, didn't... sponsor, official sponsor of the Iceman Kicking Podcast. Iceman Kicking Podcast. There you go, man. This guy knows the stuff. He does his research. Okay. So as AB said, yes, um, I've been working on that book for 10 years. And really what it was, it was a journal uh, when I was playing. And then I, I got to work with some great kicking coaches and, and talk with other guys along the way. And, and when I was at UT Martin, uh, as a GA, they asked me, hey, you need to put together a presentation for the staff. Um, and I was like, well, shoot, I've got hundreds of pages of notes. Let me put it into a full book. And when I set my sights on doing that in 2017, I was like, okay, this will take a minute. It did not take a minute. It took me about three years. And when quarantine rolled around and I was at Marshall and they, they sent us back home, I said, I'm going to finish this. Like, I'm going to go pedal to the metal. Uh, I ended up finishing it. And as I was finishing it and getting it published, um, I coached McMillan, my boy, Clint McMillan, who's at uh, Florida State as a defense analyst, said, yo, bro, start a podcast. And I was like, a podcast for what? You know, like what reason? He's like, you just bring on special teams guys and specialists. And, uh, and the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. And it was honestly, Alex, one of the coolest things that happened to me, besides publishing the book last year, is doing that podcast, making connections with people, uh, especially in the college football world. I mean, as you know, so many people love to talk ball and they're more than willing to go out of their way to sit down and talk with you. Uh, so that was fantastic. Now you got me beat by like, 35 episodes dude I'm, i only did about 15 20 uh but we're hoping to get a season two in uh sometime you know that's obviously not the priority right now but yeah it and it's hard too because like it's a lot easier over quarantine i'm sure you kind of got into a routine so like what was your routine when you were posting the shows because i'm selfishly curious because i've been bad like i've gone you know a week week and a half two weeks um, between episodes and like the biggest thing is like consistency right so like we were probably both of us at our best we we would both agree like during the quarantine days so what was your what was your weekly routine when we were stuck at home it was good man I didn't get it as far as the podcast you're saying yeah it, just in general because like I, I think I've said it before how you do anything is how you do everything but like it all ties in together right like how you were able to balance kind of the actual work and then kind of the additional stuff that, you know, the side projects, the stuff like the kicker's Bible and the podcast. So what, like, what did it look like for you last year? No question. And that was really passion projects. You know what I mean? Like, 
I think some people might have thought like, oh, that might take away from your job. It really didn't because uh, when I woke up, like the first thing I did was like at Marshall, we'd have the Zoom meetings and we'd meet with Coach Hankins and, and Coach Siegler and do different Zoom meetings and talk about, you know, what we need to accomplish for that day. And we'd get done around maybe 12 o'clock um, and then I would go and I'd work out, uh, maybe a run. You know, this was when everything was was shut down. So now it was really awesome to just, I was staying um, in uh, the Gulch and I was able to run down to Broadway Street. It's crazy. Broadway is the main street in Nashville if you've ever been. And, you know, it's a four levels of parties. There's live music on every level. And even during the day, it's bustling. But Jason Aldean's bar. Jason Aldean's. You like Aldean's? Yeah, we, uh, went, we went over there for Miltisi. You keep going. Sorry. Yeah, FGL's right is the spot. I mean, I love I love Midtown. I love Demumbrium. But uh, there's got to be, you know, Old Red and, and all those good spots, the honky tonks and all that good stuff, man. That's that's my second home. I'll be going there in about a month. But yeah, I, I really got a routine of working out and then um, really trying to put in work. I was working with an editor, uh, Julie. She's awesome, man. She did a fantastic job. She put in like six months of working on a book and I work with her and then I would just try to schedule as many calls as I could and just bust them out like one after the other so maybe I was recording five during one week and zero the next week but as long as I was reaching out to people and trying to get um, some episodes done like I could always push it forward and then we, we really worked hard uh, Chloe Wagner is fantastic. She's really done all my marketing. And if you guys are looking someone, someone to do your marketing or design a website, she, um, but she really helped me get out like all that. We made TikToks and we, we take a, a minute highlight and push those out too to kind of drum up interest. Um, but it got into the season and, you know, it was a weird season. Obviously you guys didn't start playing until mid October or whatever that was. And I thought there's no chance that we play rice after that game got canceled, I believe, like initially it was September. Is that right? It was early. It was early, early. Cause we, that was the time when we had all of our non-conference games just wiped. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I'm, I'm going through, we're doing scouting reports. I don't even know if I really got through much of the scouting report. Um, but I'm like, Oh, there's no chance we play these guys. I mean, our ADU was like, yeah, they're not going to be playing or they won't be playing much at all. And sure enough, that fateful game, December 5th, but we won't get to that right now. Um, but yeah, so I try to bust out as many as possible. Um, and then we did a really good job of, of editing. And, and then we'd have some times, like I think after we played App State, we had like two or three weeks off where obviously we're in the building and stuff, but on, on Saturdays and Sundays, you know, it's not like we're game planning for the next opponent. We don't have an opponent for another week or two. Um, so we, we get ahead first and then I, you know, record a few episodes here and there, but it was really just, trying to get ahead, you know, with anything, especially uh, Coach Mono, uh, who's obviously here as our special teams coordinator, man, he does a fantastic job of, of staying ahead and keeping me working ahead. So that's kind of been my philosophy with this, too, is just like always work ahead and always be looking, uh, you know, to get more and more stuff done so you don't have to push for it in the end. Yeah, you kind of break the mold of the uh, the – how do I put this? the stereotypical specialist, stereotypical kicker that just sits in the corner, you know, does his kicking on the other field and doesn't talk to anybody, right? Like, you know, you'll mix it up with the strength coaches, the offense, the defense, you don't really care. You're, you're, you're a real personable guy. And that's been cool to see you kind of integrate into like our staff and our building. Um, do you surprise a lot of people um, with that? 
as as a specialist because because I, I know there's like a there's a stereotype yeah yeah no question right and like Mono's even alluded to it like you know the weird specialists are doing their weird visualization stuff and we got to own it you know we own it but uh I don't know if I've ever really surprised anyone. I've always been a little bit more outgoing and, and I appreciate you saying that, but uh, man, that's really the staff here. Like the staff here is fantastic. And like, uh, you know, I've been a few different places, like you said before, but like one coach Bloomgren is so organized and we are so like the way it's run here is so professionally done. Obviously he spent time with the jets. So, you know, you know, in, in Stanford, but, uh, and everyone's so, like you said, personable, like, the first day I was here, I talked to Coach Smith. Uh, I talked. Uh, Coach Bloom came up to me, introduced himself, and we had a good five-minute conversation. And I talked to the, um, like I say, Coach Smith and OC and DC for like twenty or thirty minutes. Coach Mack, um, just you know, I'm just a low-level guy, you know, just like just a grinder uh, coming out here. And everyone was like coming up to me, saying what's up to me, the players, and and like that. That I think. Uh, impacts people more than uh, people inside will ever know. Like as an outsider coming to a, a team like that is a, a huge, I've never seen something like that before. And, and I just understand like the culture here is so much different than any other place uh, I've ever been. And I think that's going to pay dividends uh, as we go into the season. And uh, I'm, you know, that's, that's the reason I came here. I had, I had to, you know, when I, luckily, when when Marshall and the whole staff pretty much got let go, I had a few uh, interests from other schools and and schools that had uh, a tradition, a better tradition than Rice uh, University. But the the potential here and like how personable Coach Mono and Coach Bloom were like had me sold. Like I believe that you know big things can be done here, and obviously that's why you're here too. How did you get connected with Mono? Did you just like reach out when you saw? Coach Sabota uh, dipped out. Like, like, walk us through kind of that timeline um, because that is tough, right? Like, nobody ever wants to get fired, but like, in, in our industry, there are coaches that get hired and coaches that get fired. I've dealt with it. Now you've dealt with it. So, how did you get connected with Coach Mono and, and get this opportunity? Just for our for our listeners, I know we've talked about it. Yeah, well, that's a crazy thing too. Is like you go seven and zero, you're fifteenth in the nation. And it's December 5th. And at that time, no one, and I mean, no one on the staff is thinking, okay, we're going to get fired at the end of the season. Right. Like, and it wasn't, that's not exactly what happened. Right. There's more to it, but like even losing those last three games and your, your head coach gets the conference coach of the year, you're still thinking your job security is pretty good. So, so you're, you're, you're picturing the future at the current school you're at, right. Always be where your feet are at. Um, and that really caught us by surprise. I mean, there've been some rumblings, but um, as that was going down and, and when that happened, you know, I just, uh, I had met, made a lot of connections uh, in the few years I've been doing this from the podcast. Right. And, and that's what I love about this is the networking and just talking to people and how open coaches are to talking to other people. So um, that helped me out a lot. I reached out to a lot of coaches that I knew and just said, Hey, you know, like I'm, I'm out of a job now. So if you guys hear of anything and the craziest thing was coach Mario Astatelli, he's, he's the man, man. He's at, um, he's at Elon special teams corner at Elon. We had gotten in contact like three years before I was a high school coach then. And I just wanted to learn. Like I, I, I hit up uh, coach Ben Larson. Who's, who's awesome too. He was at Auburn this last year. And uh, he was at UT Martin when I had played there. And after um, the spring when I G8 and, 
I said, you know, can you put me in contact with some special teams guys? I'd really love to just talk ball. And that's for you young coaches out there. Like that's literally all you have to do is hit a coach up and be like, Hey man, I'm just trying to talk ball. I'm just trying to learn from you. And, and uh, they're more than willing to help. That's, that was so awesome for me. And that's something I want to do when I become uh, that level. So I got in touch with him in like 2017 or 2018, Coach Mario Satelli. And we stayed in touch. I mean, he's the man. He's done a great job. He's at North Carolina then, and now he's especially in corner at Elon. Uh, and then just hit me up and said, hey, like one of our offensive line guys, I hadn't even texted him about me getting released. I think I texted him, happy New Year's, you know. And he said, one of uh, our offensive line guys knows that there's a GA spot at uh, Rice and they're looking for a young special teams guy who's, you know, brings a lot of energy. And he's like, would you be interested? I'm like, absolutely. Like, come on, hit me up. And uh, Coach Mono and I got on the phone and he just really struck me as like very Italian, New Jersey, Philly, and just the most honest dude. Like he's very genuine in every, in the way he talks and uh, you know, everything that he says is like, he really means it. You know, a lot of people, it seems like they're putting on a show. He is an awesome, awesome individual. And I'm lucky to be working with him and learning from him. So yeah, we got in contact like that and um, we, we really gelled, we really clicked. And it, the, the process kind of dragged out because, you know, this was uh, about January, I think. Um, and uh, I was starting to get a little nervous that uh, things weren't going through, but everything worked out in the end. And man, I'm so happy to be here in Houston. Sometimes do you feel like when you're like having a regular conversation with a coach or you're just talking ball that the podcaster in you kicks in and you feel like you're interviewing somebody now that like you've spent time doing interviews, how translatable that is to like just in general life when you're dealing with players, recruits, coaches, do you feel that way? Dude, it's huge. It's amazing. Like Cause every, I, every conversation, like you have a chance to like, really connect with somebody on the surface level or another level. And a lot is missed out on every day. And, and I feel it when it happens to me, I'm just curious if you feel that throughout your day. That's a fantastic observation, man. I think you do a really good job of that asking like really detailed questions. Um, like even in live, not in, not in a, not when we're on a, uh, a podcast episode, but yeah, I think uh, one of the first things I got to experience here was uh, they were interviewing uh, for the tight ends job, and there were some fantastic, great interviews, right, and some not so good. But I'm sitting through this, and I'm like, man, like this feels like hosting a a podcast. Like this feels like like I feel fantastic now when it comes to public speaking. I'm just like everyone else. Like in high school, dude, I was scared, you know, scared poopless of of getting up in front of people right like i was i would be shaking you know like i had a crippling fear which a lot of that i think subsided too when i started playing football and got through the kicking portion of it because that's the same thing like all eyes are on you um but like that helps me so much yes in, in talking to coaches um and and being relatable but also like presenting like like having my own meetings it's a breeze because i've had this podcast and i'm i'm aware of how to talk in front of others and, and speak to a group of people. And I think it's helped me so much in that aspect and w- which kind of encourages me and why I would want to keep doing it in the future. Cause I think it's just more practice for public speaking. Yeah. What are we going to get back on? 
what the the podcast yeah man i um again like you know we're just trying to make it through spring ball at this point i would love to to get in on a season two and we'll definitely have you on um but it, it it'll probably be you know when we have some downtime like get to go home and stuff i'll i'll, I'll make sure i uh you know cross cross my t's and, and dot my eyes but uh uh, yeah, hopefully in the, the near future, I would love to do that. Um, but I'm really focused on spring ball. And man, it's been great. Like this first six, seven practices, the, the specialists here at Rice are so mature and all they want to do is get better. And, you know, all they want to do is learn. And uh, it's a great group to be with. And I, I do want to talk about specialists, especially kickers and punters um, and long snappers, as far as how different the recruiting process is and, it's so much a numbers game, even more so than any other position, because there's only one, right? And generally speaking, you don't want to have more than one on scholarship at each of those spots. So not every single team is going to even have a full scholarship, let alone a half scholarship or a partial at a, at a you know FCS level school. But before we, we talk kind of you and your path and, and kicking and what that looks like for what you look for now as a coach, can you talk about, as a special teams coordinator, as a coach, when you're organizing your special teams unit, um, so much of it is just the basic fundamentals of football um, in terms of just blocking and tackling and how there's a big difference from just existing on teams and being a player and a reliable player. And I love the fact that you and Mono went back through, instead of you could go through whatever charts we had previously and, and whatever info um, you could go through all the data that's been collected, which was good. Um, or you can come in with your philosophy and your approach and say, all right, I'm going to give everybody a clean slate. I'm going to evaluate what was on tape. And that was what y'all did. Can you talk about really the fundamentals of core special teams guys? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think you, you, first of all, you hit on it with the trustworthy. Thing. like you will not especially on punt and kickoff you will not put anyone on those units that you do not trust and that's something uh i learned during my time at marshall is like these guys got to be freaking dudes if you're in a tight spot they have to make play like there there can be no questioning like yeah this guy's really fast or he's very athletic so we'll put him on there no like, these are your 11 or 22 most tw uh, trusted players on the team um as far as like the holistic view to like looking at special teams can't even, I can't take much credit for that. Mono is fantastic with that stuff. And I think that comes from him being a head coach for so long. Uh, he said it himself, you know, it's like to go back and review and really look at like, what did we do well? What did we struggle with? And when we really started out by putting, um, you know, yeah, like the, the fundamentals and, and putting it all on an Excel sheet being like, okay, like these are the qualities that make good special teams. And these are the characteristics and let's go back and grade everything. And we graded every single play from special teams last year, um, which uh, was eye-opening for me because I'd never done that before. Um, but he just does such a good job with yeah, looking through that and making sure, all right, let's identify what we struggle with. Let's put it all together. And part of it is he's so organized. And like organization, I think for any coach, um, whether they're in recruiting or in strength or, or actually, you know, full-time is huge. Like just being organized with your time organized with your goals and what you want to accomplish. Like that's the quality that translates no matter what position you coach. So for him having that quality, just fantastic. Like 
one, it helps me too, because I'm, you know, I, those are all my, my low points. That's what I struggle with. And we really uh, complement each other in that aspect where he's super organized and, you know, super focused on what he wants to get done and, and have a good background when it comes to all the kicking and the punting and the long snapping. Um, but yeah, like that's a, that's a Pete Lembo thing too, right? Um, the, the South Carolina special teams coordinator, and who's at Rice, is, is the, the core fundamentals. And I see you've been listening there in, in meetings. Um, it's about, you know, power and speed stances. It's about, um, you know, maintaining good pad level and, and like keeping your elbows in when you're blocking or, you know, like open field tackling, just like technique that translates. And that's another thing Coach Mono has done fantastically that people talk about incorporating, but a lot of special teams guys, including me, and this is what I'm learning, is like they don't really coach from a complete football perspective. Mono does. Like he coaches how this is, uh, you know, um, it would be running power. You know, this is how it should look on a kickoff return. So he shows an offensive clip of power and then and then kick return. So, man, he does such a good job with incorporating that, and that creates the players to buy in more. Um, from that perspective. So that, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Sometimes uh, when you first look at like a return uh, playbook, it, it looks like hieroglyphics, but then when, when, when you bring it full circle, it's counter, it's power, it's, it, it, it's basic football principles. Yes. So I kind of want to get in just before we talk about the recruiting of, of the position and, and what you look for in specialists. Can you give our, our listeners a quick rundown? Um, I know your background as far as being from California and you, you've been everywhere now. You've literally lived on every single time zone in the US and uh, you went to two different universities. So can you run through what your experience was like as a, as a kicker and punter um, from Clovis, California till when you finished at UTM? Yeah. Yeah. That's actually, that's pretty good. Um, doing your research again. Uh, yeah. So like, like you said, though, I did experience almost every part of like being in high school and being recruited and uh, JUCO and being recruited and then going to school, finishing my undergrad and doing grad transfer. Um, I'm, I won't bore you with the details, but I was at Fresno city college. I, out of high school, like I was, uh, I, I love listening to PJ Fleck and PJ Fleck sayings as he was king of the twos, too small, too slow, too inexperienced, right? Like I, I, I was not very good. I was very passionate about what I did, but I was not a very good player. I was probably five, eight, 145 coming out of high school. I don't know a lot of coaches that are looking for a five, eight, 145 athlete. So out of high school, I had a few D threes in California and then a division two university of Mary, North Dakota. And I was not trying to go to North Dakota. Uh, and also I was not trying to pay, you know, $60,000 to go to a division three school. And all th those are also great choices. I'm not, you know, crapping on them at all. But, um, for me, the, the thing that made sense, my parents always said, you're going to go to junior college if you have no other opportunities. And that's fine. I went to Fresno city college and really was like supposed to be the starter all year there. Uh, and then Quentin Brashears grad, uh, uh, Fresno state, uh, starting kicker led the mountain West in points in 2012 decide he want to play he wants to play football again uh comes back in 2013 and they're like he comes to fresno city college the junior college uh and they go hey dude this guy kicked three goals against oregon last year i'm like i can't compete with that like i'm i'm a high school kid anyway so um that was awesome i learned so much under that kid um he was 
total surfer what's up bro yeah it's quentin like <laughs> you know probably did acid like just a really cool dude though and he showed me how to carry myself as a kicker he's the ultimate kicker right but you could you, you you could have tanked right there though that's like a, a total tank opportunity being like oh god they're bringing in this guy to you know take my spot um i, I didn't mean to cut you off but like i, I know you you had like a a yoga class and you took up med- meditating and it's like, was it at that moment, was that like the huge inflection point for you as far as, all right, the mental side is so important and I have absolutely got to be focused on just getting better. Yes. I think a hundred percent. Um, because at that time you're right. The options are keep playing. Dude, I was an equipment manager pretty much. Like I, they let me practice all week. And we went to the games on Saturday. I rode with the equipment team and I would fix helmets before the game. So I was probably the least thing, you know, farthest thing away from being a player uh, at that time. But I got to practice and I love that. And um, yeah, I was just, I was like, the team would be in meetings on Friday um, and I'm a redshirt kicker. So I wouldn't have to be in there. And I'd be in the weight room right next door and guys would see me come by during their meetings and be like, yeah, let's, let's go, Iceman, you know, or whatever they called me at the time. Um, but yeah, that was that was a huge point where it's like, I got to own all my skill. Like, I'm still small. I, I put on maybe 10, 20 pounds those first couple of years. But, like, I'm not going to get there by pure athleticism. And a lot of kickers try to do that. They just try to, you know, not a lot of coaching and, and, and not a lot of mental work. And they just get by on what they got. But if you really want to be a great athlete, I'm just reading this to my specialist in our last meeting. Um, Doug O'Brien was a kicker for the Saints. I uh, played in the, uh, in the Super Bowl um, and, and for multiple different teams. But uh, his quote was that, like, you'll never be anything that more than an average, even if you have the best skill set for a kicker, even if you have the strongest leg, you'll never be anything more than an average college kicker. Like, if you want to be a next-level talent, you have to incorporate the mental game. You have to incorporate flexibility training. You have to incorporate you know, visualization and, and um, just taking care of your body too. So yeah, that, that um, made me realize like, and my mom at the time told me like, you just need to quit. Like there's no real future in you doing this. Like you're kind of wasting your time. And uh, you know, she, cause she'd had it. I was very down and depressed at that time um, listening to me, but um, luckily I've like a great support system and she came around. It's not like she was always super negative. Uh, um, but uh yeah, I kept working, went to a few camps. It's hard, obviously, at a junior college to get recruited. And I, w- I didn't play at all. I redshirted. So there's not a lot of film I can put out there. But luckily, I went to two camps, kicking camps. Brian Jackson, who I'm still great friends with today, and I've heard to all the time. And he came to California, went to L.A., and he also came to Fresno. Uh, and a school, Lincoln University in Pennsylvania, which is the first HBCU in the United States. Uh, was looking for a JUCO California punter uh, because the last guy they had was an All-American. Level. He, he did a great job. I can't remember what his name was, but I do remember he had a quote when I was playing there, and this is a little bit more to the motivation side, that uh, there has never been a kicker like him there. There will never be, and there isn't currently a kicker that will ever be as good as him. And uh, I ended up going on and breaking a few of his records just to prove them wrong. I had a wall that said Fusick for everyone who said I can't. And it was Instagram posts. It was quotes from, you know, people talking crap about me and saying, you know, I wasn't. For everyone that said I can't. 
Yeah, Fusick. Yep. Yeah, it's good. And uh, and yeah, so I put that up on my wall, and every morning when I woke up, it was right above my bed, and I'd look at it, and you know, provided motivation. Some people are like, "Oh, that's super negative." Dude, it 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 pushed me every morning to be like, I'm not going to be what they said I am, you know. And I have three pages. I had some good bulletin board material. There's people, a lot of people saying stuff about me. Um, but uh, yeah, I ended up getting that scholarship opportunity, and it was tiny, man. It was like 25% scholarship. I think it was six thousand dollars. Had to pay twenty thousand uh, dollars out of pocket, and that first year was god awful. I mean, I was terrible. I was one of the worst kickers in the nation. I did all three. They said, uh, you know, can you punt? I never punted in a game. Uh, I said, yeah, like I did it at camp or two. They said, oh, you'll figure it out. So that didn't go as planned, obviously. Um, but again, there was the work ethic and, and, and pushing myself through that and just trying to be working when others weren't. Like I, I told the story before, but Ramon Flanagan was the – uh, quarterback at SMU after the death penalty, and he's our head coach at Lincoln. Uh, such a character, man. Uh, but I told him one day, I was like, hey, can I get the keys? I want to go out to the field to kick. And it was like snowing, like coming down. He's like, Britt, now why would you want to do that? What are you, what are you trying to do out there? Why, why would you do that? And I said, coach, in California, they're getting their working right now. So I want to, you know, keep working too. Um, and that next year, I, I you know broke three school records, had the longest punt in the nation in 2015, and, uh, and then I'm I'm looking at grad transfer. So it's just like high school, uh, where I emailed. This was 2015, so I emailed as many schools as possible, right? And, and a lot of kids do this, um, and there's stuff I've learned after the fact. Obviously, Twitter became big, um, but you know, try to put a personalized message. Try to find you know, the coach and where he had been at before and say, Hey, I know you started your career at university of Tennessee at Martin. Um, and you're here now. And, and, you know, I've been following your guys' program and I really think I could help you guys. Uh, and trying to, I'd start with like the teams that were lowest in, in punt average the year before, um, or that had a senior punter and, and kind of go about it like that. And the only, there's a, there's a couple D twos. Actually, uh, I was talking to three D twos in Texas, Midwestern state, who was really good at the time, like 10 to 2, and Texas AM Commerce, and then Angelo State uh, had told me I could walk on, but it was like they had seven specialists, seven kickers and punters. Yeah. And they said, you can come in when school starts. So I wasn't even getting a shot to really play. No. And as a grad transfer, you want to play, you know, right away. And luckily, I got on the phone with uh, Jordan Hankins at Tennessee Martin, and uh, he's like, look, man, we have a guy leaving. Um, you can come in for like a trial. So I flew from Pennsylvania. My dad flew from California. We met in Memphis, drove on up to Martin, Tennessee, 6,000 people. I mean, but it was, it was awesome to me. Like they had a 7,000 seat stadium. My, my stadium at Lincoln was 2000. So I'm like, dude, this is the big time. Like, this is a huge press. I remember thinking that like on the field, like these guys play Cincinnati and Hawaii next year and they play Ole Miss after that. And I got to play in all those games. And I st I played 44 straight games um, throughout my career. So that was hard for sure. Like reaching out to schools was, was really taxing. And um, I think more so at that point is like, it was still about like who you knew or who you could yeah. get in contact with. Whereas now like kicking, you know, um, I think it's, it's more published and it's easier to find, especially with Twitter, all the people getting their stuff out. I don't know. What do you think about 
recruiting and with kickers and, and how that's gone now? How's that, how that's progressed? It, it's hard. Um, Cause I, I know from talking to coach Sabota, from talking to mono, talking to the guys I've worked with previously, the big thing that everyone asks for is like, Oh, is he kick off the ground or kick off a tee? And I think the kicking camps are finally catching on to that and starting to basically like, all right, you're not kicking off the tee because every college is asking that you, you know, kick off the ground because that's what you're going to do. Um, but the thing that I, I was really curious about is, I don't know if it was another podcast or your own, but you talked about, look, you either got to send the email like the very, very end of the day, like the last, like, 11:59 p.m. or you better send it at like 4 a.m. in the morning like first thing when you wake up and obviously you, you can schedule those emails to be sent out but were you one of those like stay up super late night owls when when you were going through the recruiting process or were you just getting up early and just firing them away like when did you send them and how did that work out for you dude no question and and both like <laughs> i would stay up until <laughs> I was in my dorm room. This is the springtime after that. And I knew I was going to, I was lucky enough to graduate in three years. And I knew I was going to transfer to have two years somewhere else. And again, I do all my research. I remember my girlfriend at the time, she's like, why, why are you still up? Like, you're going to have to be up in like four hours. And it was like 12 or one o'clock. And I didn't know about scheduling emails then, you know? So like I was, I'd have them in drafts and then I just boom, 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 knock them out. And then same thing in the morning. But a lot of my research came at the end of the night and then in the morning. So, but yeah, I remember, oh, here's the thing I also did too, is I bothered the crap out of um, football secretaries. Dude, every morning at like 8 a.m., I, I swear, I knew the West Georgia, because they were a really good D2 program at the time. I think they still are. Um, I remember the, like, I knew her name. Like, we got a name. She said, hi, Brad, how are you? And, and we talk and, and I called her at least 10 times and trying to get in contact with football coaches. And she said, well, they're not in, but I'll, I'll make sure. I don't even remember if I got in talk, contact with coaches, but that's what it was. 8 a.m. every morning, let's call 10, like as many football secretaries as we can from this conference, whether it's the Mountain West or you know, Conference USA, and let's just annoy the crap out of them and let's see like if we can get in contact. And I got in contact with a lot of special teams coordinators too at that time what, but the thing that i feel like recruits miss right now is that the quality of those interactions versus the quantity right because i get flooded with the hey coach you're my dream school check out my film blah like it's it's a copy it's a paste and it's a send whereas I mean, I, I really hope everybody kind of caught that when you were talking about it about, I don't know, five minutes ago. And you said, I went to the bottom 20. Like, you got to find somebody that's obviously trying to get better, That's that needs the help. Um, are you sensing that kids are starting to realize that it's important to kind of do your own research? Because I, I feel like in, in the Twitter world that we're in now, in the, the very accessible um, world that we're in, um, you can get lost in the shuffle if you just copy and paste. Yes. And I know you're talking about this on Friday because me and coach Mono heard you saying, Hey coach, blah, 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 blah. Hey coach, blah, blah, blah. And I was ready to go over there and body slam you because it's annoying the crap out of this. No, but, uh, 
yeah, I heard that as impersonation. Um, yes, for sure, man. Like, I well, no, I don't think that it is is improving. There are some kids, maybe, but I still think overall, yes, it, it turns into spam, right? Like, you're pretty much being spammed by these kids who send the same issues five times over. And I said this, I don't know if it was on my podcast or it was on the fourth down experience with Brian Jackson, and Chris Heasby. Fantastic. Also go check it out. Um, but it's like, you know, send me something personal. Like I said, find the school they started at and be like, Hey, I know you started out here. You know, congrats on making it there. Um, Hey, I know you're from California. I'm from California too. Like it's simple, easy. I've had people, kids from like California JUCOs. And obviously I want to help any kid from California JUCO. Like, if they just kind of looked up my bio, I got a website, right? I got a, like a bio on our, our school website and I'm not saying I'm whatever, you know, I'm just saying it's easy to find my info. Be like, Hey, you went to the California Juco. I'm out of California Juco too. Help me out. You know, and I'd be more than happy to be like, all right, I'll at least put your name out there. And your name's not coach Armenian. My name, <laughs> which to cut, that's happened multiple times. I've, I've never found success in recruiting by calling coaches by their race. I don't know. Maybe it works for some people. I would not advise any kids to try it. But yes, don't call me Coach Armenian. I think that's an autocorrect, so I won't, I won't uh, slander them or anything. But yes, Coach Armenian doesn't normally work. So you've talked about it, um, but I want to kind of take a deep dive into recruiting 101 with specialists. Everybody kind of does it differently. Um, a lot of times you're dealing with, hey, this is a PWO opportunity. And we have a kicker who has two years of eligibility. He's got three years of eligibility. And we want you to come in and do X, Y, and Z, earn the job. And then you will be considered to be put on scholarship. A lot of kids are getting that same conversation from about oh. 20, to, 20 to 30 schools. So not going, we'll get on the 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 recruiting side of it in a second and what you look for and how you evaluate it. But for the recruits out there that are listening, because, you know, this is an important platform for them as well. Like what are the right questions to ask colleges when it comes to how serious is somebody about me for a PWO opportunity? Yeah. So that's really good. And I think like the best information, the best advice I ever got was like, go where you want it. Right. Like it's hard if you're an otherworldly talent, normally you can kind of choose. And even if, you know, you have a ton of power five offers, like whatever's going to help you in your future, I think that that would be the best. So even if Alabama has some dudes, but you're confident enough in yourself that you can beat up those dudes because you're a dude yourself, um, that's worth looking into and taking. But for me, especially like, I'm not a huge guy. I started 44 straight games. Right? I started every game of my college career because I went where I was wanted. Like Lincoln had no other specialist on their roster. So it's really about finding the best fit. Tennessee Martin, too, we had we had a good amount of specialists, but like I was confident where I was going. And the special teams coordinator really wanted me. He expressed that by giving me a full ride. Um, so uh, it, it's it's more about, yes, like look at their roster, right? Like, are you gonna be their guy? A great question to ask the coach is like realistically, where do you see me in your program in a year? Or where do you see me progressing to? what's my potential in your program? And if they say, I don't know, man, like we got these six other guys might not be the best look. Right. But if he says, look, we seriously believe you can come in and compete for the kickoff. Cause you're right. This is a conversation that a ton 
dude, there's so many, and we've talked about this too, but like there's so many good kicking recruits in the state of Texas. I mean, there is kids being overlooked that are fantastic. And a lot of teams, they just don't have the room right now. Like there are other levels of importance, you know, right. The quarterbacks running backs. So like they're going to be looked over, but it is going where you want it. First of all, and then second of all, it's um, again, your potential, uh, where do you see yourself progress? Maybe uh, you don't have an opportunity right now, but you have uh, an opportunity to learn. And I think that, that for kickers, that's, that's important to be able to do a lot, um, be a utility player, be able to kick, punt, and do kickoffs. So many guys are like, I just kick, I just punt. Well, you're closing a ton of doors in recruiting if you only do a few of those things. Uh, and then it's what feels right to you and like what's important. And we've talked about this before. Um, it's kind of like playing the, the video game. Like NC, you ever feel like I, I've always wanted to ask you this? You ever feel like it's NCA fourteen or NCA twelve when they have the different targets for the calls, and it's like, what's important to this guy? Campus lifestyle. I know, um, I do, like, I, I do, and then you like type it into the the arms database, and you're like, golly, this really does feel like NCAA fourteen. <laughs> no, that's that's exactly how I feel too when trying to gauge like what a kid. Well, and which is so cool, and I can't wait for that freaking video game to come back. I'm gonna be like a hermit in my room when it when it does happen. You're never gonna see me, but um, yeah, like like finding out what's important to you is it location and being near home, or is it um, you know what you're gonna be able to do with your degree, which is again why Rice is such a great school, right? Because it you know it's one of the top degree granting uh, universities in the nation, and, and the potential after outside of football is so important. Um, but it's it's about your importance and what you want to do post football too. I think has a lot to do with it. It have an answer because uh, so many times you'll talk to a kid and you you can assume that a college coach is going to ask you, "Hey, what do you what do you like doing? What are you passionate about? What do you want to study?" And maybe if you don't know what you want to study, like what do you want to do when you're done playing ball? Every college coach is going to ask you that. So at least think of something, even if it's wrong, even if you change your mind in a year, right? Because uh, a lot of times I'll, you'll, you'll get a, a kid on the phone with a, a position coach, coordinator, sometimes your head coach, and that same old, you know, question comes up and the kid's like, uh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. So um, note to That's self recruits, like think through the questions that coaches are going to ask you every single one that Brett just talked about because they're going to come up, right? Huge, huge, big time. Well, that and like, that's kind of what kicking camps too, I think are doing is like, they're trying to educate these kids. Like, Hey, I have answers for this stuff. It's a, it's, I wouldn't say a game, but like, it's an expertise too, of being specific, right. In your messages to coaches, um, showing it's genuine and then providing good film. And I know we're going to hit on this later. So I won't go too deep into it, but like you show me film, like on the field, show me film. That's not on the ground. Like, I won't, I won't get too far into it. No, 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 no. Okay. So talk about the film side of it, because I know exactly what you're talking about where um, they put it literally right behind the ball and they're kicking a 15 yard PAT and it looks like they're crushing a 75 yard field goal. So like, what are you looking for when you're evaluating a kicker? Well, that's a great question. That's, but that's my thing too, is like, you can't tell if the, if the phone common error, right. I, I in my book, I highlight coaching points and common errors, right? And the common error for kickers uh, in their film is that they put the, the 
camera on the ground. And I can't tell if you just, cause the ball goes out of frame or it's like reaches its apex in like 15 yards. I can't tell if you made that 60 yarder or if you missed it by 30 yards, like it's impossible to see. So, and I understand you, you might, um, you know, be the only one out there, ask a friend, ask your mom, ask your dad, come out there. Hey, can you please record it? Cause it's going to pay dividends. Um, that's also a great question. Um, and I, I got a lot of these points from Shane Graham, uh, who's, he was awesome enough to, to hop on my book. And this guy is top 15, top 20, um, in NFL history for a field goal percentage, 15 year pro. Now he's at Florida, excuse me, working with a special team. So he's the man and he's, he's one of the, the most gracious guys, but like, so the things we're looking for is, is, and that I'm looking for is follow through. Okay. My biggest thing is I want to see a linear swing and that's something I harp on with my guys too. Uh, am I saying that it has to be this way and that, you know, no guys in the NFL uh, kick non-linearly? No, that's not true. But for the majority of the part, and Dave Akers, again, another NFL record holder, uh, 44 field goals in one season, uh, and I was lucky enough to get in contact with, and he's awesome. He was, he was in my book too. That's why these numbers are being so consistent. I show my specialist a slide. The top 10 kickers in career field goal percentage uh, in NFL history, nine of the 10 are playing right now or have played um, in the last 10 years. Like, it's, it's crazy. I'm the only one is Mike Vanderjack that played. Uh, I don't know when his career ended, but I believe he started in 2000 or ended in 2006, right? So, like, these, these swings are becoming so much more consistent and more linear and you can compare it to golf or baseball or whatever you compare it to. But I need, that's what I'm looking for is a linear swing. All right. I want to see that it's smooth. I want to see that it's not choppy. He's in his approach to his ball. He's not stuttering. Uh, and he doesn't have a huge vertical backswing. That backswing sometimes may make it a little bit more hitchy and it's not as repeatable. All right. I want to see that the, the kicking ankle is locked out. And the way you can do this is like, not every clip has to be, you know, directly behind. Uh, it could be in front of the ball. Have someone stand 10 yards in front. Uh, have a camera angle where you are. It's the super angle where it's literally just foot to ball. And, like, you're, you're three yards off and you're a little bit at an angle. Uh, and it's down on the ball. And, and we can see your plant foot when it strikes the ball. Is it locked out? I'm sorry. Your kicking foot. When it strikes the ball, is it locked out or is it loose, right? Because that's going to create a good rotation uh, on your click. That's that plan reflection, okay? Uh, and then the height of the ball. I'm looking at the height. I want to see, does he hit every ball over the goalpost? Like the saying in kicking is, hit a PAT like you hit a 55-yard field goal, right? Like it should be the same rotation, same trajectory, all right, over the goalpost. And then your body positioning. Like I don't want to see guys with weak cores, they're dipping their shoulder or collapsing their chest. All right. When they strike the ball, stay tall. And that's going to allow you for your kicking leg to come up and follow through down the field at your target. If you're crunching, that leg's not going to be able to go up as high. It's going to take off distance from your kicks. So the main number one has to be the, the follow through. And I, I heard you talk about it um, as far as the, the golf reference in that everybody kind of has their unique swing, but there are universal, how do I say it? Universal fundamentals for yes. golf. And it's the same way with kicking. So 
kind of beyond like just the film side. And I guess before we move on from the film side, is it best to have a front, like a front view of foot the ball, one from the back to see the follow through, and then one from the side where you can actually see ball flight in in an ideal world? Is that what you're looking for? Yeah. Like here's the thing is like, I want to see your huddle film, right? Can he handle pressure? I want to see how you come back from a miss. Like, I don't know how you would show that maybe like a whole game, uh, cut up so I can watch that but how they answer and and what they're like is their head hanging when they run off the field or are they you know head up and they're jogging off like nothing happened like I want to see how you handle adversity Uh, and then the other thing though is is like I feel like I can tell more from the home you know homemade film that way I can really watch your technique yes an ideal world a couple straight from behind right like that's always good to see a linear swing, to see the ball flight, to see the contact, right? Then a couple in front. And that way I'm looking at the ball, I'm looking at your body, and your leg, your kicking leg coming directly at your target, okay? Um, maybe a slow motion one. That way I can see your body positioning. And, and now we have the capability, right, to, to record or whatever. And, um, you know, you can do it on your iPhone. But, like, posting a slow motion one is, is not bad, too. It, it allows me to really slow things down and see like pause and see, all right, where's his body contact? Cause that's the biggest thing. I know I've said it before, but like Randy Brown is the goat when it comes to kicking coaches and kicking uh, coaching specialists. He coaches for the Ravens. He's had Justin Tucker, Sam cook, Oregon Cox, right through the best specialists in the NFL. And his biggest things, he said it on the fourth down um, experience is like, if you can replicate your starting position, uh, your contact position and your fall through every time. And that goes for snapping, it goes for kicking, it goes for punting. You're hitting a good ball 90% of the time or you're getting a good rotation 90% of the time and it's straight. Like you're doing something right. So that's all I'm really looking for. And then yes, a zoomed in version uh, on the foot and that ball struck, that ball being struck and where his ankle is at on contact. Like if I can see those three things, boom, 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 and they, they do it consistently, I feel like I have a pretty good idea because like you said, there are fundamentals. Like it's not widely believed in the kicking community, but I think that it's so true. And I think like, yeah, everyone does things their own way. Yes. Body types are different, right? And a six, four kicker is not going to kick like a five, eight kicker. However, there are fundamentals. I firmly believe that. I just think like 20 years ago, there was not that many kicking coaches out there. I mean, most people were literally just figuring out as they go. And even still today, like there's, there's, not the kicking coaches that know what they're talking about. Um, and again, I won't profess to be an expert, but I, I do feel very confident in my beliefs because I've been able to talk to these fantastic kickers uh, and just ask questions. And, and that's what I take pride in is, is being inquisitive and asking questions. How did you get in touch with those dudes? Cause I, I mean, it's a pretty awesome list of uh, David Akers, Shane Graham. They've been on plenty of my fantasy football teams and uh I know you've had John Carney on the on the podcast and funny story. I, I don't think he remembers it because I probably did a horrible job of interviewing him. When I worked with USA football, I interviewed John Carney about kicking and actually wrote an article on it. I don't even know if I could find that article. If I can, I'm going to send it to you and you can tear it apart. I think but I read the article. I think I did. This was, this would have been like 2014. Yeah. USA football. Uh, yeah, a long time ago. So how did you get in touch with those guys? And I'm going to look this up while you're talking. Dude, some some crazy, like, stories. Like, so 
I interviewed, I, I coached and taught outside of Nashville uh, for the first two years after I was done playing. And I'm sitting there. Uh, I had a couple offers. I had uh, Smyrna High School, uh, Ravenwood High School, and the third one, oh, like Nolensville High School. All three fantastic high schools in the Nashville area. Uh, and I wanted to be living in Nashville and then uh, drive out to whatever school. Uh, and loved Ravenwood. Ravenwood's like a beautiful school. Uh, Andrew Mason, who's currently on our roster, uh, played there. Um, I haven't really been able to talk to him about that, but I, I will for sure. Uh, ended up, like, things just progressed really fast, and I was very happy to go to Smyrna High School and then coach there. It was a fantastic tradition of winning there. And I learned so much from Coach Matt Williams. I'm sitting in our meeting. I was working with the defensive line specialists, and sitting in a Sunday meeting, and they're talking about Ravenwood. And they said, yeah, did you know Alan Lowry, who coached special teams, was a special teams coach on the 49ers in 1994 when they won the Super Bowl, uh, was most recently with the Titans in like 2009. Uh, this guy had been like a 30-year NFL special teams coordinator. Yeah, did you know Alan Lowry and David Akers are coaching special teams at Ravenwood? I almost sprinted to the bathroom and threw up because the opportunity to have learned from them, and I just didn't end up, picking that school to teach and coach at made me absolutely sick. So things progress, man, I really don't know how I got in touch with David, but he was such a dude, like such a cool, Oh, coach Daniel, Matt Daniels. And we, we, we stayed in touch. Uh, the head coach there at Ravenwood, super cool guy. Um, and, uh, we were, we were talking and I said, Hey, you mind, um, if I could talk with David, Oh, I, I talked with Alan Lowry first. I mean, this guy's a, a University of Texas legend, played, played safety there too. I got to pick his brain, and then eventually got to sit down with Dave. And, and dude, he was the most humble guy. We went to a Starbucks um, outside of Nashville, and it's 9 o'clock, and they're closing. We'd already been talking for like an hour and a half. And uh, they said, sorry, guys, we're, we're closing. He's in his jeans, kind of like showing me different kicking stuff. He's like, you know what? Let's go outside. Let me, let me um, show you what I'm talking about outside. We're in the parking lot, Alex. It's 1030 at night. I'm freezing my butt off because I came in my teaching clothes. Um, and he's showing me how to punt. He said, you got to fall through, up and through. Vertical, get up and through. And I told my kids, that my students, the story the next day. And they were laughing. They thought it was so cool. I thought it was so cool. Like, this NFL legend is in the parking lot of Starbucks showing me and nobody how to kick and how to punt. Like, it was unreal. Uh, Shane Graham, I was in a, a Twitter collection of special teams coaches. Um, and I asked a question about um, three-man shield punt, and he reaches out to me. I mean, this guy, again, 15-year NFL vet, reaches out to me and said, hey, man, uh, let's get on the phone. Give me a call. And, you know, our, our, our friendship, our relationship just started uh, like that. We'd talk here and there, and those guys are awesome. Whenever I have any questions about special teams, uh, uh, John Carney's from California. Uh, I think I just messaged him, or he might have been in contact with Brian Jackson. Um I was always a huge Saints fan, so having him on my podcast, that was one of my favorite episodes because he really hits on the mental game, and his message is like, be okay with your b-ball. And uh, I know our kicker, Colin Riccatelli, has worked with him before, and that's so true. You know, it's like not getting frustrated when you're not – you just can't – you're having a day – and it goes for life too. You're just having a day when nothing goes right, right? Be okay with just getting by. Like in the workout, like in the morning, if I, if I get here, I feel like crap. And I, I can't get through a workout and it's absolute, you know, crap show. Like I'm just not doing anything. 
um, I, I got to celebrate that small victory. So I tell my specialist and like, at least I made it there in the morning. You know, at least I worked out a little bit. I got a little bit better today. Uh, be okay with your beauty ball. Celebrate small victories. So yeah, those are some, dude, I mean, they're just the most personable people. Like, and they're, and they're just genuine, good people. The, the little wins, that applies to, to literally everything. everything. Um, I know I've had you on for, we're going on almost an hour now. So I, I really appreciate you giving me some time because I know you just finished the soccer game and uh, you guys didn't get a win, but it's all good. Um, did you like? Did you have the Iceman nickname before or during Fresno? Because I heard you like mention it. You were like, the, the how they talked to you, they called you Iceman. But when did that start? And and I guess when did it stick? That's pretty good. That's a pretty good question. So a lot of people would make fun of me or say like, "Oh, you gave yourself a nickname." No. All right. Here's here's the story behind it. Uh, I didn't start playing football to my junior high school. And I always loved football. I was a football geek. Uh, grade year, sixth grade year, I had a college football encyclopedia with 1,100 pages uh, that I got for Christmas. And I would bring it in my backpack. My whole backpack was pretty much this college football encyclopedia. I'd read it. I tried to do a fantasy draft for college football players. It's the worst idea ever. It was stupid. Yeah. But uh, it, it was it was fun at the time, you know? It's like, so, drafting, it's like drafting minor league players and major league players. Yeah. there was no like there was no organization bro there was no thought behind it it was just like i'm gonna do this because i love college football um so yeah like growing up like one of my favorite movies we are marshall so that was pretty cool to be a part of that, that uh, cool. too off on that but yeah we were, i was able to be there during the 50th year anniversary so that was cool um but when i was playing my junior year i think second or third game of the season we played redwood high school uh in visalia and uh, it was a close game. I came out there, hit a it was it wasn't exactly a game winner, but with time running down, maybe the last five minutes, I hit a, a field goal. And I come to school the next day, and in the paper it said Brett Arkelian ices the game with a whatever 29-yard field goal. And my friends came up to me, uh, Juan Torres, and was like, Hey, what's up? The ice man. And I was like, Ooh, I like that. Can we get down some shirts or something? So that's where the nickname kind of came from. Uh, you know, it was, it's, it's more of a branding thing. I'm, I'm glad it really hasn't stuck. Like, like that's all people call me, you know, they call me coach here. They call me coach or guy. And I, I don't mind the occasional Iceman. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, you got to build your brand as a, as a coach and as a recruiter, which you've done a phenomenal job of too. Um, so it's just something fun, you know, on the side. Oh man, this, this has been really fun. And before I let you go, uh, last question I have is, um, you know, for the, for the specialists out there, you know, from the mental side, what's one piece of advice you would leave as far as really focusing on, on the mental aspect. And I know we could spend an entire episode on it, but just one, one lasting piece of advice on handling the, the failure that you will face, like the B ball that you will face, um, you know, the, the missed opportunity because you always got to move on to the next one and, and win the next rep. But what's one piece of advice you would leave them with? Man, that is a loaded question. Like there's so many, so many places I could take you. Um, I was going to say visualization. I think like that is so important for specialists uh, to see themselves like in the situation before. So they feel like they've done it before. For example, when I was 
scared of my pants before we were going to play Ole Miss. Uh, I could not sleep the night before, but my big thing was like seeing myself walking through the locker room, seeing myself out in the field um, in warmups and hitting the balls and then coming back in. You know, the whole process, seeing A.J. Brown out there and playing to him, which, like, I don't mean to boast, but I held him to two return yards that game on 10 points. So pretty happy about that. And that was from the visualization. Um, visualization is one. I think breathing is huge, like understanding how to control your breathing. Like, that is, especially as a high school guy, like, I wish I had worked that more. Like, kids will hyperventilate, like, going out there, you know. Like, even even I see college guys that don't know how to control their self and control their uh, breathing, and that helps your mind state. Um, but as far as handling failure, uh, you know, it's, it's to get comfortable with failure. And like, uh, I don't remember who said it, but the saying is like, fail early, fail often, fail forward. I love that. Fail early, fail often, fail forward. Put yourself in tough situations in practice. All right. Now, obviously, if you're just hitting bad balls, you know, crooked, like bad rotational balls, like just quit today or, you know, do something different. Um, and you got to find a groove eventually, you know, like you can't just be out there putting yourself in the worst possible situations. And you just never, never develop fundamentals, which I think is important. Like I'm working with our guys too. Like let's really hammer the fundamentals right now. Let's really get good at that. Once you do that, yes, let's work directional balls. Let's work going against the wind. Like I would at halftime of our games, I would always warm up and I would hit balls with the wind during punt. Like I remember playing Eastern Kentucky. It was super windy. I'm hitting with the wind. I'm hitting absolute nukes, four, five, 45, 50 yard punts. And then I turn around and I'm like, all right, let's do this. Like now I got to put myself against the wind and I'd really use halftime to like work on hitting good turnover balls into the wind. So I can put myself in those risky and, um, you know, otherwise really crappy. Cause if you don't do that and then you get in the game, you're going to struggle. Like you are, if you've never faced adversity and that's what um, coach Graham uh, talks a lot with his specialist at Florida is like, I'm going to put you guys in bad situation. We're going to rep odd situations, even situations where it's like, uh, I forgot what he calls it, but it's like a fourth, it's like a fourth down. You're at the 36 yard line, or the 40 yard line. And you're trying to decide your head coach is going to decide, Hey, do we go for it? It's a fourth and two. Okay. Do we go for it? Do we kick it or do we punt it? And like repping that, like just dry runs, even like being on the sidelines, uh, you're just all the specialists are together. And, you know, the head coach poses as the head coach and he's like, all right, field goal, field goal, field goal. And then you rep that, you know, that uncertainty, being ready, okay, or maybe next time you might say punt. And repping different situational things, I think is so important with specialists. I can't wait to do a lot of that. We won't do a whole lot of that in the spring, but I think that's super important to do in the fall is repping that um, by yourself and whatever you see in the NFL, repping that situation for yourself and putting yourself in adverse situations. Yeah. Like being as comfortable as possible in uncomfortable situations. Now you're talking my language. Now you're talking my language, AB. That's what I, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, where, where can our listeners uh, find and follow your work? Cause I know you got a site and then you got a book and a podcast. So uh, hit us with it. That's right. I thank you for uh, allowing me to plug my stuff. Okay. Well, the easiest way is, is probably find me at icemakekicking.com. Uh, again, Chloe Wagner has done a fantastic job designing it. You can find the book there. You can find all my featured appearances. This will definitely get a shout out on there too. Uh, and then 
the podcast itself uh, and, and information about me. You can find me on Twitter at Iceman Kicking. Um, you can find me on Instagram, same thing, Iceman. Uh, I believe it's Iceman underscore Kicking. Uh, we're on TikTok. We're on Twitter. What you just over? No, 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 no. I was just, I was just scratching my arm. No, you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on TikTok. We're putting them out there. Uh, the episodes of our podcast are on YouTube. So, any of those places, man. Do you guys ever have any questions? I love helping people. And I love talking ball. Like this is so much fun for me, man. I'm so glad you had me on. Um, but I love talking ball too. So if you have any questions about special teams or specialists, or you want to just talk uh, about something you learned, like I'm all ears. I'm always looking to learn from other people. So thank you, man. Thank you for having me on here. Yeah. And every young coach listening, uh, take note. I mean, throughout this whole show, it was cool hearing you talk about all the people that have influenced you and that you've had a chance to learn from. So thanks again for taking time on the show. I'm going to have to get some pointers from you on getting an editor, getting a marketing person, because, uh, being a one-stop shop is a little tough deal, so uh, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get some pointers from you, my guy. You gotta expedite that process, baby. I, yeah, I know, I I know. I just you know once you kind of uh, have a, a specific way of doing things, you just kind of fall into a habit of it. Yeah, no, it's good though, man. You've done such a great job with this, and like I said, this is one of my favorite football podcasts besides the Ice Cream Cake podcast, um, but. But yeah, man, you gotta you gotta have people helping you out, and um, I've honestly I've got such a good group and good team around me. Um, but yeah, man, this is up close and personal, dude. This is this is I love this. Hey, I'll see you in the morning. All right, buddy. We'll see you. See you, Brett.